Genesis uh, 27. We're going to look at verses of uh, 1. Let's go 1, 2. Check. Check. 1, 2. Last week we looked at how um, both Esau and Jacob were actually wrestling in the womb, like fighting one another within the womb. And now we're here. So at this point of the narrative in chapter 27, Yitzchak is the same age as his brother Ishmael when he had died. So right now, Ishmael, uh, and he died 14 years earlier, was 137 years old, which is what Yitzhak is out right now. So we have seen that Isaac, or Yitzhak, was an outstanding man, a great man. In fact, he was so great that King Abimelech and the Philistines came to make a treaty with him because they feared him. So he was actually a peace-loving man, and he was also very powerful. But in his mind, he lived a fearful life. Because he's still a fallible human being. I mean, he did live uh, alive for years until he was found out. And what we're going to see is that he had shown favoritism toward Esau. Now, his mother, Rivka, also had her own issues, where she also had favored Yaakov. Now the passage in scripture says Esau was a mighty hunter who would go out and bring home meat, venison, and he'd cook it 
just the way his dad, his dad raped him. So now that Yitzhak was 137 years old, he thought that it was time to bless his favorite older son. Now if you remember back in chapter 25, Adonai said that the elder shall serve the younger. What it was is it was perfectly clear that he knew of the plans of Adonai concerning the younger son, his younger son, that Yaakov was the son of promise. But Yitzhak, being a bit disobedient, his heart overruled his conscience and the will of Adonai. So he told Esau to go out and quickly bring back some wild bean and that he would give him this a patriarchal blessing. So chapter 27 verse 1 says, Now it came about when Yitzhak was old and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he said to him, Here I am. Here I am. And Yitzhak said, Behold now, I am old. And I do not know the day of my death, but it's probably soon. So at this point in time, he is feeling sad for himself, maybe even a little depressed, because now he is unable to see. And since his brother died at, the, at this particular age, his uh, half-brother Ishmael, he is readying himself for his death, which means the giving of this patriarchal blessing. So he assumed that he was in his last days when he actually ended up living another 43 years longer. So again, we look at how he sees himself versus how Adonai sees the plan for Yitzhak's life. Just like he was afraid for his life earlier on and he lied to the king of Ibelet that um, his wife, Rivka, was his sister, and that was a total falsity. So from Jehovah's viewpoint, according to his plan, all must come to pass. Uh, verse 3, he charges his favorite son with these words. He says, Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. So he was to go out in the field, grab some venison, come back, and prepare it. Now think about it. Most people on their deathbed don't normally ask to eat meat, right? So perhaps he, he lost his eyesight, but one thing he didn't lose was his appetite for meat, which means he's not necessarily on his deathbed because he will live many more years to come. Now verse 4 goes on and says, And prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Now this blessing was a big deal, even in the future when Yahweh blesses his son. Later on, a festive meal was always accompanied after major ceremonies. Now this patriarchal blessing is rightfully whose? Is rightfully Yaakov's. And how was this confirmed so far? This was confirmed by Esau's selling of that birthright. 
So what's transpiring now in chapter 27 here is Esau and Yitzchak are trying to steal back the blessing by trying to violate and bypass Yehovah's will. So Esau and Yitzchak are trying to usurp the power of God. On top of that, we found that Esau had already married two unbelieving Hittite women in uh, chapter 26. So this is totally opposite of what most Bible teachers and commentaries portray, that Yaakov was the deceiver in trying to steal the blessing. And actually, the blessing was promised to Yaakov, and here, Yitzhak and uh, Esau are trying to steal the blessing. We're going to find that, as far as deception is concerned, Yaakov was very, very um, sensitive to not receiving anybody. So how can you steal something that you already inherited, right? How can um, Yaakov steal his birthright, which had been already prophesied would be his? I mean, you can continue to possess it, but you can't steal what you already own. So Yitzhak was willing to overlook Yehovah's will for a meaty meal of venison or deer meat. So Esau initially did the will of Yehovah, initially did the will of Yehovah by selling the firstborn birthright for a meatless meal to Yaakov, which was rightly Yaakov's right. Now we saw in that passage that in reality, Esau wasn't that good of a hunter because he came back hungry and there was no meat, so he ate the little stews was provided by Yaakov. And now Esau is trying to regain the blessing by putting himself or interjecting himself between his father, Esau, and his brother Yaakov and taking that blessing from the true heir. Now verse 5 goes on and says, Rivka was listening while Yitzhak spoke to his son Yitzhak. So you notice the passage says, his son. It says his son because he favored that son. So when Yitzhak went out to the field to hunt for game, to bring home, went out hunting for game. You have that next picture So counterintelligence is going on here. Yitzhak is trying to plan a coup d'etat, which means the overthrowing of an existing government or kingdom plan. So it, it's an illegal overthrow, unconstitutional. You hear that today right in the news. Unconstitution. It's not the constitution. It's a seizure of power by a dictatorship or a military or a political faction. In this sense, a spiritual faction. But Yehovah had placed this security apparatus already in position. Secret agent Rivka was within an earshot of his covert operation dialogue. I think he was separated in that. 
So verse 6 says, Rivka said to her son Yaakov, again, his first son, not Jacob's son, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. So what Rivka had done, she had intercepted this oral transmission of this evil deed that they were about to uh, portray. So here, here is her plan to foil their mission and keep the code name promised child in effect. Verse 8 goes on to say, Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Verse 10. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his brother Rivka and said, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my, fa my father will fill me, then I will be a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Yaakov said that he would be a deceiver if his dad felt his arms, and it was smooth. So Yaakov didn't want to deceive his father. Because he too knew that he was the promised seed, according to Yehovah. So he said, if my dad feels my arm and it was smooth, then I would be a deceiver. Which might imply that if he makes his arm hairy, he would not be deceiving his dad, but carrying out Yehovah's will to stop this false blessing of Esau. So the problem here is really Rivka's lack of faith in this particular instance. But she would have trusted to see what she should have done, is just trust to see how Yehovah would intervene since he did not have, since she had this direct revelation from Adonai himself. So she took matters into her faithless hands and commits a sin in deceiving her husband. <coughs> so you remember Abraham lacked faith in chapter 12? Sarah lacked faith in chapter 16? Yitzhak himself in chapter 26 lacked faith and lied about him being uh, his wife being his sister. And now Rifla is going to be seen. Now we, when we're looking at a lot of people thought Isaac, uh, Yaakov, the deceiver. It's where we look at eisegesis, is where you read something into the text. Exegesis is where you pull out the meaning from the text. And this is where these two come into play, concerning whether or not Yaakov was a heavy thief and deceiver or not. So exegesis is if we let the text direct our thoughts as we read it and we draw critical information to rightly interpret any passage, we do ourselves a favor. And through doing that, we bless the Lord and the Spirit then is able to lead us into all truth. Conversely, on the other hand, eisegesis is 
when we bring in our own ideas and worldviews to interpret scriptures. What happens is we can easily navigate away from the truth of Torah, and we can end up allegorizing and spiritualizing the text. And at that point, the text can mean anything. What is a good test to find out if we're eisegeting the text or if we're reading into the text? Whenever you hear the phrase, what does this scripture mean to you? You know already, you are reading into the text. Everyone will have different meanings, but that's how they see the text. And that's true for them. This is never the intent of scripture. The true intent of scripture is that if we draw from the will of his word, we can arrive at what Jehovah is actually revealing to us and not vice versa, what we are revealing about Jehovah. So what is discernment then? Discernment is a daily exercise in exegesis, in pulling out, it's discernment is the ability to obtain sharp perceptions. So as we read this word and we take this truth and that truth and we bring it together, we get sharper and sharper. And then we are able to adjust the word correctly or well. And then that's how we find out what Yehovah is trying to teach us. So never try and bring your own feelings in interpreting scripture. Let scripture interpret itself. Verse 11. It said, Hen esav it said, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. Who's the hairiest guy there? <laughs> anyway, the, the, the Hebrew word, Sa'ir, means hairy. So this is where we get the name um, of that central mountain range of Edom in Israel, Mount Seir. You got to know those maps now? Oh, we just, it's on the bottom of that. Okay, look at the next It's on the bottom of it. No, it's here. Heavy angle. Oh, yeah. Well, over here. <laughs> anyway, it's on the bottom. Yeah. Why is it like that? I don't know. I don't know what's that. Are these side by side pictures? So Mount Seir, <laughs> so anyway, Mount Seir is where Israel in the Great Tribulation will flee from Jerusalem all the way down to Basra. You have that next picture, man?
high twist <laughs> down here, you can actually walk in. So it's a very defensible um, position. So when the Antichrist chases all of Israel back to this area, they will be able to defend themselves. So Petra was one of my um, on my bucket list, and then we ended up going there with not really well. It's a good thing. Okay, so as you walk into you, you end up seeing this this treasury. So the Nabataeans were um, foreign workers and they would chisel out, they would hew out um, buildings within the stones. And then as you go in, you see this. And then get us the next one. So when you go in, it ends up opening, it opens up. It's called Basra, and what Basra means is a sheepfold. So what had happened is the sheep, all of the sheep of Israel, would run into this sheepfold or this sheep pit. And this is where all of Israel, one third of Israel that are saved, will cry out with their messianic cry, Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeshua will hear them, and Yeshua, Yeshua will come down with the salvation and save them. So again, in verse 12, Yaakov was not willing to deceive his father and mock his father's blindness and be cursed. So verse 13 goes on to say, But his mother said to him, You're cursed beyond me, my son. So she's saying, If we get caught, I'm going to take the blame. So just listen to me, listen to my plan, and then carry it out. Obey my voice, go, get them from me, those two goats. And verse 14 says, So he went, got them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food, such as his father. So they're continuing to carry out the plan. In verse 15, Rivka took the best garments of Esau, her oldest son, which were in her house, and put them on Yaakov, her younger son. So he didn't leave and cleave. He's married, but he still has a little stake in his mom's house. Now what this clothing does, this will help with the sense of smell. So since his smell, his sensitivity is heightened because now he has sight loss. Esau's clothes will now help in the deception of uh, Isaac. Verse 16 says, and she puts the skins of the young goats which she had just cut up on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. So she put on his clothes and she, you know, it touched one goat, right? So he put the goat skin on his hands and on his neck. <laughs> this provides the correct touch sensation for his dad, right? So now they're taking care of the smell, and now they're taking care of the touch sensation. Now I was wondering, how hairy is this guy? You know what I mean? 
exactly like these South Maidens that we would help out the discernment, the touch was taken care of by the goat hair upon his hands and his neck. And the smell, if the use of Esau's stanky clothes in Mount's closet would, would throw off his dad, would take the dad off the trail. Which leaves us with one problem, the hearing, the hearing problem, right? So how are they gonna handle this? Verse 18 says, And he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you? My son? And he goes on to say, Vayomel Yaakov el Aviv. Yaakov said to his father, Anochi Esav Becholecha. It says, I am Esau, your firstborn. So there are two ways of saying I, as a first person singular, I myself in Hebrew. Here the word is Anochi. It is used in um, here as affirming his birthright. The use of Anochi here had focused on identifying himself as the firstborn, to which he did have actual claim to. The other word is Ani, and we're going to look at that shortly, what Ani means, where he identifies himself as Ani. He says, I have done as you told me, Father. Get up, please, sit, and eat of my game, that you may bless me. <clears throat> so the blessing was already his. So he was actually speaking truth except for the name. Verse 20 it says, Yisak said to his son, How is it that you have so quickly, my son, caught this me? Where did you get this from? Walmart? The Safeway or the corner? How did it so fast? I mean, you actually got to go hunt this thing now. How do you do that? He goes on and continues, and now he brings in the Lord's name. And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. So how did the Lord cause that to happen? He already had the gold, right? It was a miracle of Yehovah, he was saying. Just like how you were spared, right, Dad? In being sacrificed, remember when you were going to get sacrificed by grandfather? He provided you a miracle, right? There was a ram, right, caught in, in the thicket in the bush. Same thing with me. The miracle of God happened. But the Lord did provide that goat in that area. So verse 21 says, And he stopped saying to his son, Please come close, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son, Esau. His suspicions are heightened now. They are alerted. Verse 22 goes on and says, so Yaakov came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Yaakov, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So probably at this time, both uh, Yaakov and his Bavishka's hearts are beating fast, like, oh man, he's going to find us out. You can almost hear those, that suspenseful music in the background. Your voice sounds like Yaakov. But your hands are like Esau. Man, I must be really getting old, right? I must be on my deathbed 
because I can't even tell my sons apart. I'm hallucinating, or am I? At this point in his life, they were able to get away with this deception. Verse 23 says, He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy. So to, to Esau, if he covered his hand with hair, he wouldn't be deceiving his father because the, the right was already his. And they were hairy like his brother's hands. So his father blessed him. Verse 24. And he said, Are you really my son? And he replies, He says, Yes, I am. This is a straight up lie, right? This one is a lie. He cannot affirm this. So he's actually lying. So Ani here is used to identify his identity as Esau which is deceiving his father. So his sin is not stealing. His sin was deception, which was fostered or brokered by his mother, Rivka. So in one sense, he's honoring his mother, right? He's honoring his mother by doing what his mother says. That's why uh, in Torah, in Exodus, you're gonna say, you're gonna write a command in his book. Honor your mother and your father. So he's actually honoring his mother. But in honoring his mother, he commits a sin. Which the Lord is not pleased. But we will see that Yitzchak and Esau's sin were really bad. Because they tried to usurp Yehovah's preordained plan. Verse 25 said, So he said, Bring it to me. And I will eat of my son's day, that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate. And he also brought him wine and drank. So they gave him a full meal, like the last meal, right? He had wine, he had a great meal. In verse 26, And his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, the final deception, he's like, this is my son, Esau. Your voice threw me off. The hair on your hands I thought was you, but now this smell, I believe. So he came close and kissed him and blessed his son and said, see the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. So what Esau brought up was three facets of which how the Lord will bless and all of these promises are agricultural prosperity. So verse 28 says, Now may Elohim give you the dew of heaven to water and the fatness of the earth with this water, the soil will be able to grow, be healthy, and in abundance of grain and new wine. So with the water, the land will be able to take in grains and wine and fruits, which are the staple foods that right? you make out of the grain, wheat, bread, and fruits, which is how they get wine. 
So he finishes here by saying, in verse 29, he says, May peoples serve you. Plural. Not just one people, but many people, many nations. And nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be those who curse you. And bless be those who bless you. This is another retelling of the Abrahamic covenant. But those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. So the dirty player in this passage is Yaakov. <coughs> Yaakov is the most righteous character in this chapter. When most um, people teach this passage, <coughs> Yaakov is the, the highest deceiver of all time. But we find that Rivka was a true deceiver, and we find that Yitzhak and Esau was trying to usurp the will of God by giving all of the blessings to Esau, which wasn't the will of God. So Yaakov, as far as sin was concerned, was very minimal. But as far as sin is concerned with Rivka, Yitzhak, and Esau, they had a higher level of sin. In, in the Lord's eye because they tried to thwart almost like what Satan does right get thee behind me Satan because you're going you're going against my plan <coughs> so the Lord has kept his promises and his truths from then all the way to today and what we can say is he is faithful to keep his promises and his plans going according to his will so even today, we see how Israel has flourished. Number one export of many uh, food, fruits, grain, flowers, even uh, natural resources, gas, oil, medicine. I mean, medicine. They flourished. And in all because the Lord was going to water them, give their earth the fatness in the soil, and will give them an abundance. Now, even though they had rejected Messiah at one point, today, as the Jews are having Aliyah, and a lot of Jews are going back to the land, this particular repatriation into the land is for judgment. So if you gather them from the four corners of the earth, and gather for the great tribulation. And that is why we are here as believers, as Adam, as he, while he's in Israel, he shares the gospel and the good news and debates with the rabbis that they too may not have to fall under that judgment. That they can receive and have an abundant life today, not our religious life, but an abundant life. So let us pray and then we'll take the Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. As we as, Lord, failing human beings can always usurp your, the will that you have for us in this life. We, we pray that it, that it be uh, not so, Lord, with us. That we might exegete these passages, Lord. We might draw from passages, from Scripture, from Torah, your will for our lives. And that we might not lose sight of you. Lord, let our lives be open to you. 
to your email. And as we started our weekend, we know exactly what's going to happen. So prepare us, Lord, for these last days. Use us, Lord, to be uh, faithful witnesses from, from the ends of the earth. Here from Hawaii, Lord, many can come to you. And we thank you for giving us the gospel truth. So that as we uh, prepare our hearts to receive this bread and this cup, we're reminded Lord, of your true love and your sacrificial love towards us. And let that sacrificial love Lord, emanate from us to others, Lord. Not only to believers, but to unbelievers. And they might see that agape love, a chesed, Lord, a gracious love. So that people will see and they may know that you are the Lord. In your name and in your power we pray. Amen.